Hi, and welcome back to this podcast, Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, the first in the Wolves of Chilga series. Episode 2 The Tunnel. Boy walked slowly towards the mist and the light. He felt the mist envelop him with its damp fingers. As he entered the tunnel, the light dimmed, and within a few paces, it had gone. He felt for the wall and shuffled along, one arm in front of him and the other tracing the rough rock. A torch. He'd forgotten to bring a torch again. This time, it felt like an age. But gradually, the light grew brighter. The mist began to clear, and he stepped out into daylight. It made no sense. The sun was shining. The clearing and the wood were in front of him, as before. But now, instead of seeing them dimly in moonlight, he could see everything. He turned around to better see the tunnel entrance. It was set into a hill, and above it, rising steeply, were snow-covered mountains. No wonder Detra had said he couldn't go around them. The wood, it was big. In fact, a forest. It was different from home as well. The trees were all different. Each one was made up of several tree trunks that wound round each other. The leaves were quite small, so he could see into the forest. In the far distance, beyond the treetops, he could see the outline of mountains, almost blue in colour. Boy decided he would go to the village to find his friends. He set off into the forest, noting where the sun was. He hoped it would lead him in the right direction. It was hot. He'd already taken off his coat, and he knew he'd soon have to take off his jumper. Has to be summer here, he thought to himself. The forest was full of birdsong, and he looked up to see a flash of yellow and bright green. And then the bird was gone. In the distance, he could hear a noise, the movement of a large animal. He concentrated on it, and then relaxed as it seemed to be going away from him. He wondered if he'd see any deer again. All the time, he was watching for signs of his friends and the wolf. There was nothing scary so far. The forest wasn't densely wooded, and there were big, leafy bushes scattered around the forest floor. The sun poured through the tree canopy, and he could see a long way in front of him. Do not move if you wish to live. Boy froze, terrified, as four shapes rose up from the forest floor in front of him. There were men, men holding spears, pointed at him. Who are you that walks in our lands? They were tall, short-haired. No, their head was tied behind their backs and wore the clothing Detra had worn. Tunics and leggings made of leathery-type leaves. But they wore shoes as well, thin shoes that again looked leaf-like. The one who had spoken was looking around him. Where are the others? Who do you travel with? Boyce blustered out. Oh, I'm alone. I came through the tunnel. I met Tetra Malena the last time. Uh, and I've come back to find them. The others lowered their spears. The leader still looked angry and kept his spear firmly pointed at boy. Why should we believe that you travel alone? If this is a trick or there are others, you will pay for deceiving us. Gratia, he is exactly as Detra described. He saved their lives, remember. We owe him our thanks. The speaker, another one of the four, 
gave Boy a wide grin and turned to Gratcher, placed his hand on the other's spear, gently lowering it. You are too trusting, Luntra, but you always were, snarled Gratcher. He turned on his heel and walked away, looking left to right for strangers. Luntra approached Boy. I am Luntra, and we will take you back to our village. We owe you our thanks, and there is much to learn about you, I think. He smiled down at Boy. Thank you, was all he could think to say. As they walked, Luntra introduced the others and explained that they were out hunting. His two other companions introduced themselves and started to pick up shoulder bags that had been hidden in the bushes. Why don't you three continue the hunt, and I will take the boy back to the village? With a wave and a wish of good luck, they disappeared into the undergrowth. Luntra put his hand on Boy's shoulders and guided him to a narrow path. It is not long to our village. I would like to hear of your journey, but you will be asked by our leaders, and telling your story once will be more than enough, I suspect. Boy felt very relieved and quite excited. He was sure this man would help him. They walked in silence through the forest until Boy could not resist saying, Your world is it's different to mine. I've never seen trees or bushes like this. Luntra nodded and went on to explain what the different varieties were. And time passed quickly and they soon reached the forest edge. There before them were green rolling hills, but what caught Boy's eyes was the broad river beneath them and scattered along the riverbank were wooden two-story houses. As they walked down, he realized the roofs that seemed to be made of a thick, shiny material, were actually layers of green leaves, sewn together somehow. In the village, people were busy walking between huts. Some had open sides and appeared to be shops. The ground was hard earth. The people started to become aware of Luntra and himself. He supposed it was his strange clothing. Their bustling and conversations halted as they passed. More and more people stopped and stared. Then questions to Luntra about who the child was and whether he was taking him to the council. Luntra proved to be a man of few words with them and either nodded or just replied, as is fitting. He pointed to a large building in front of them. I will take you to meet the council and they can decide what should happen. Boy was about to ask what he meant when he heard a familiar voice. Boy, it's us. Tetra Malena, what are you doing here? Grinning and running towards him were the two children. They put their hands on his shoulders and then continued to walk with him. Detra was eager for information. When did you come back? Are you hungry? Are you going to the council? We went there with our mums and dads. We told them about you and about how you stood up to the wolf. We've never been to the council before. It's quite scary, you see. Detra, protested Malena. Enough questions and chatter about the council. Luntra laughed. Malena is right. You will wear him out with your questions. But in answer, yes, we are going to the council. And yes, he will have food and drink. And yes, they will know again of his courage. He stopped and smiled. For you will come with us and remind them. Detra and Malena looked at each other with a mixture of pleasure and nervousness. Boy realized it must be a big event to meet the council. 
He was about to ask about the council when Ledra pointed out a big building at the far end of the village. Taller than any of the houses, his V-shaped roof was supported by huge vertical logs. Each log was carved with symbols and animals. Around the entrance, a giant wooden frame, again covered in carvings. From the bottom of the left-hand corner, all the way up and round, and to the bottom right corner, was of a wolf pack running. Boy just stared at it, for it was so like the carving around Gramdy's front door. He was sure it was identical, just bigger. Then he stopped, for at the centre, above the middle of the frame, was a face. A face he'd seen in his dream and on his first visit. It was the face of a wolf. Yes, it is a wolf, whispered Melina, just like the wolves you saw. We will learn more inside. Come, said Lantra, as he eased the three of them forward. They walked into a large, open auditorium. Seats were set out in a semicircle, facing a raised platform, on which was a V-shaped table. There sat a group of men and women. All were in the same type of leafy tunic. Except one. She was very old. The tunic was grey and black. The colours of a wolf, in fact. He realised her chair was higher than the others, and the wooden back appeared to be carved, not plain. The man at the centre of the V looked up. You are ever welcome, Luntra. He leaned back and stared at Boy, making him very uncomfortable. He hated being looked at. What made it worse was he was sweating. It was so warm in the hall, and he was so hot in his jumper. The man gestured towards Boy. Is this the child that was spoken of? It is the one, Sentra, the stranger from another land, who stood proud before the wolf. His name is Boy. Luntra gently nudged Boyd forward. Come closer. We have heard of your bravery, Boy. Sentra studied him. Tell us, where are you from, and how did you come into our lands? Where is your hospitality, Sentra? I am Wolfria. I am the seer of Chilga said the old woman as she stood. She was only short and leaned on a heavy stick. Her eyes smiled and she reminded Boy of Gramdy. Do you not see? The boy is hot and tired. Let him sit and bring him food and water. She waved her hand at Boy. Put down your coat and, in a puzzled tone, take off your other coat. It is winter in your land, isn't it? Suddenly, there was shouting outside, and a man rushed in, breathing heavily. The wolves! They've returned! They're here! Behind the man followed villagers, all demanding to know what happened and what was to be done. Boy could see the fear and confusion on their faces. All too quickly, the hall was full. The noise was deafening. Come! We need calm! Sentra shouted, arms outstretched, commanding attention. He sat and signalled all around him to do the same. Bring him water, he ordered, and turning to the messenger signalled him to begin. The man spoke breathlessly. Boy could see he was scared. He didn't really understand, because he had not felt afraid when he'd met the wolves. I was on the hill, west of the village, saw them in the distance. There were ten of them running towards me. I ran, and they followed, but they made no effort to catch me, so they just stopped. 
They're just sitting, as though waiting for something. The villagers all started talking again, and Sentra again called for order. He was so hot in the room, Boy decided he could slip off his jumper. He immediately felt better and listened as Sentra called for his hunters to gather with their spears on the outskirts of the village. We are here for you, child. Boy instantly froze. Sentra and the villagers were still talking. They'd not heard it, but Boy had. He knew that voice. He looked up and saw Wolfria looking around, a puzzled expression on her face. She caught Boy's eyes and looked deeply at him. Come to us. It is your time. He looked away, but his eyes were drawn back to Wolfria. She was still staring at him. She rose slowly and cried out, Quiet, everyone. There is more here than a messenger to consider. Sentra, let the council meet in private. The children should stay. I think the boy's arrival now is of great import. The room went quiet. Everyone was staring at him. Boy felt himself going red with embarrassment. He studied the floor. Sentra spoke again, his voice clear and full of authority. As Wolfria has spoken, let everyone wait outside. Quickly, clear the hall. There is no time to waste. Boy heard murmurs of discontent. The villagers clearly wanted to know more, but gradually left the room. Only the council members, two guards, Lantra, and the children remained. They all moved to the front. Boy glanced at Malena and Detra. They half smiled at each other. He could see in their faces the mixture of puzzlement and excitement, and a bit of the fear that he felt. Sentra sat down and looked questioningly at the seer. What is it you sense, Wolfria? She continued to focus on Boy. She walked around the table and down the steps of the side. All the time, her gaze was on him. You heard him too, didn't you, boy? It was you the wolf was talking to, wasn't it? The council members and the children gasped as one. What voice? questioned Sentra. Wolfria held up her hand for quiet. You are the reason that the wolves have come. Boy looked at his feet and just nodded. There was a knot in his stomach. Did he speak to you the first time you came? Again, he nodded. What did he say? Can you remember? Boy was reluctant to repeat what the wolf had said. It may be important. Don't be frightened, she said in a gentle voice. He looked up and felt reassured by a smile. He said, my time had nearly come and I shouldn't delay coming back. That's why I came back, because Grandy, uh, my grandmother, uh, thought it meant I was needed here. That's why I came back. I meant no harm. She smiled and patted his shoulder. You are not in trouble, child. I am the only one in the land who can hear the voice of the wolf. She looked around. The wolf can speak. The seer of the kith can hear him. This is as it has always been. You know this. It spoke just now. It said, Come to us. It is your time. But it was not spoken to me. Was it, boy? It seems I am not the only one who can hear the wolf. They all stared at boy. Although he felt uncomfortable, a bit of him liked it, really. Is this why they are here? The wolf pack have never gathered like this or visited our village, commented Sentra. 
Do you think our people are any danger, Wolfria? She faced Sentra. I do not think they mean us hurt. They are here for the child. But why? Why have they called you, boy? She turned back and stood directly in front of boy, reached out to pat his shoulder again, but stopped and gasped. She looked at boy, nodded to herself, and smiled at him. She traced the scar on his arm with her fingers. Boy felt very confused. Now I understand. You are he. She turned to the council. His arm. It bears the mark. The mark of the wolf. I know for sure it is part of the prophecy. The others looked puzzled. Sentra started to speak when Wolfria put out her hands and intoned, Yet only one on two legs can help you, and only he who carries our sign. The others looked bemused. It is the prophecy of the wolf pack that has been passed from generation to generation. It has also passed from seer to seer. The wolves must be in grave danger. Come, quickly, we must meet them, and now... Sentra stood. Wolfria, I do not understand what is happening, but I know to follow your instincts. We will go and meet the wolves. End of chapter four. Give me your arm for support, young man. Wolfria and Boy followed Sentra out of the hall. The children and the other members of the council followed behind them. The villagers had formed a large semicircle around the doorway. They stood aside to let the group pass. Boy felt bewildered. What did Wolfria mean about being a chosen one? What was he supposed to do? He knew he was no hero or fighter, and panic started to rise within him. What would happen if he was supposed to do something or know something and he failed? His head swirled with thoughts as they passed the houses and shops and made their way towards the fields and beyond. As they left the village, a couple of hundred of metres or so in front of them sat the wolves. There were ten of them. They sat on their haunches. The wolves formed an arrow shape behind their leader. The wolves rose as the group approached. The same deep, rich voice spoke to Boy in his head. Come, we mean you no harm. Wolfria heard it too. She nodded and told the others. Sentra instructed the villagers and the warriors to hold, whilst the council and the children moved forward. Close to, Boy could feel the power of the wolf. Yes, he was taller than him, taller than the adults, in fact. He could see the strength in the long legs and the muscled body. But it was its face and eyes, the yellow and black eyes. They were somehow commanding, solemn, full of knowledge and authority. He couldn't look away. The wolf released Boy's gaze and surveyed the gathering villagers. He turned to Wolfria. We salute you, Wolfria. Seer of the Kith of Chilga, we salute you, Sentra, leader of the Kith. We come here in peace. We are on a journey to save our packs and your people. A journey that has been foretold. I would have us talk of what has happened and what must happen to save us all. He looked at Boy. 
then back at Wolfria, who was explaining to Sentra and the villagers what had been said. Sentra stood thinking for a moment, and then spoke to the villagers. Let all gather behind us. Let the pack be welcomed. Bring meat and water. We will sit and take counsel on this. Then nodding in salute to each of the wolves, he continued. You are bid welcome to our village. Holding out his hands, he signaled everyone to sit down on the lush grass. Boy looked around, and seeing everyone else settle on the grass, followed suit. He was pleased to see that Detra and Melena had somehow managed to sit just behind him. He felt reassured when they gripped his shoulders in support. The voice began again, and he heard Wolfria speaking the voice's words at the same time. So all the village could hear and know what was being said. My name is Wolfsar. I am the leader of our pack, and chosen by all the packs to lead the clan. Since the time of the ravages, when man and wolf last came together to fight the soldiers of the emperor from over the mountains, we have lived in peace. You and the four villages on the plains of the south, and we, the five packs that form the clan of the forests and mountains of the north. In return for your help, then, we have protected the plains from the creatures that would pass through the mountains. The creatures of the empire that would kill destroy all that live here. This you know. But for four summers past, soldiers have been seen again. Soldiers of the Empire. We think that they somehow tunneled through the very mountain itself. We did not kill them, but turn them back, so they would know the Empire is not welcome. This spring and summer, a sickness has developed amongst our clan. All the packs have been so affected and now there are too few left to protect our land. The wolf ceased for a moment to allow Wolfria to finish repeating his words and looked at the villages before continuing. The packs came together, the words of the prophecy handed down to each pack leader since the time of the ravages were spoken. Boy listened in awe as the voice began to intone the prophecy. When sickness is all around you, journey west for the valley on high. There you must look for an entrance on a path that is hidden from sight. Search for a sign so familiar and enter the door in the light. It will take you on a journey of danger by steps that are dark but give hope. Seek a mountain of yellow and purple through creatures terrible to see. Harvest the goodness that grows there to save those at home who may die. Yet only one on two legs can help you, and only one who carries our sign. Guide him, for he will be cub-like, in need of your speed and your fangs. For the sake of the packs, protect him. Give him time to learn and understand that within him is a power to aid you in this dark and most dangerous of times. Boy moved around restlessly. What does this all mean? I have felt the presence of a child, indeed sensed the chosen one, a stranger to these lands growing in my mind. We believe it is the time of the prophecy. Boy listened with disbelief. Do they mean him? Couldn't be. He swallowed hard as the wolf continued. 
The council fear this sickening amongst us is linked to the soldiers and is the work of the emperor. We fear he intends to invade and by poisoning us will remove the protection from our lands. If we are too few, he will invade and overrun us all. Sentra spoke up. Your news is grievous indeed. How can we help? Are there medicines, or indeed, may Wolfria, our seer, offer aid? Do you need soldiers? Warriors? Wolfsar continued. It may come to war, and then, yes, warriors from all the villages will be needed. But if we can cure our kin, then we believe the emperor will not try to overcome us. He would not dare. We must cure our kin. We must seek the high valley of the west, and there the mountain of yellow and purple. But first we seek the man-cub, the chosen one. We had thought it would be a child of the villagers for many years. But it is my belief that your stranger is indeed the one. Before he could stop himself, boy blurted out, Yeah, but I, I don't know anything. Honestly, I, I'm just a boy, an ordinary boy. He looked around to Luntra and Sentra to support him. Sentra looked back and smiled. And yet you carry the mark of the wolf, can speak with the wolf, and can walk through solid wooden walls. I do not think many of our children have such skill. My child, said Wolfsa, we need you to journey with us. We do not know what or why, only that it is foretold and so must be. We will protect you and bring you back so you may return to your own lands. But he can't go alone. He doesn't know our country or anything about us. He needs someone to teach him. It was Detra. His voice tailed off as he said, Malena and I could teach him. Detra is impatient for adventure, I think, said Sentra. But he is right. Two soldiers will accompany him. He started to cast about to select the right ones. When Wolfsa interrupted, Sentra, even your fleetest warriors will not match the speed or stamina of the pack, and they are too big to carry. Perhaps it is the time of the man-cubs. Perhaps the two who tried to protect him against us should be chosen. They would be light enough to travel on our backs. Before he could say or think of anything, there were a host of voices. Detra and Malena were pleading to go. Their parents and other villagers were voicing concerns. Wolfria was trying to shout above them. Silence, roared Sentra. This is no ordinary time. Our village, our children, our children's children are in danger. To fight this evil, we must come together with our friends from the north. There is still much to understand. I am not comfortable that so much burden should be placed on the shoulders of these children. But I believe the coming together of the pack and the stranger is an omen. The prophecy has been spoken. I believe its time is here. Let the three children go with the pack and find the cure. Who will say no to this? My word. The stillness fell over the villagers. The only noise was the rustle of the wind. Boy wanted to scream. No, this is wrong. I'm a schoolboy. I'm only 11 years old. This can't be happening. But he also remembered Gramdy's words. Take courage, be strong, and you'll be safe. He knew he had to go to with the pack. He hugged his knees to his chest, sick with fear. 
Wolfsa spoke gently, and Wolfria, sensing what was to be said, kept her silence but looked across at Boy, smiling in reassurance. I sense your fear, my son. Have courage, we will protect you. Boy lifted his head, nodded, and half smiled at the wolf, but he couldn't talk. Then suddenly his back was being slapped. Detra and Elena were sitting beside him, grabbing each arm, grinning broadly, both talking at once about what an adventure it was going to be and what an honor to ride a wolf and who would fall off first. And he was laughing with them. And yes, he thought, I'm going to ride a wolf, a giant wolf. I can't believe it. This was Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, written, narrated, and recorded by Simon Taylor. For more information about Simon Taylor, his books, radio broadcasts, and school storytelling, go to www.simontaylorstoryteller.com.